There was there was not a lot else in news this week. A lot of video game news, but that doesn't um, feel free to talk about it. Oh, I would. I would love to. And we got to think of something else to start the show. Yeah, but we'll we'll figure it out. Wait, have you played Monument Valley? I I so I bought it out of principle, but I haven't played it yet. You bought it back when it originally came out, or bought it when people started bitching about the price this go around. I I bought it when people started complaining about the price. Yes. Okay, I bought it when it originally came out, and then like never actually played it, and then I played it, and it's great. Yeah, it's it's consistently one of the like highest rated games in the App Store. But have you ever played it? No. I would if you have any time over the holidays or anything. It's it's pretty short, but it's very good. It's amazing. Yeah, I I got very. I I don't. I usually try to you know as you know, Carlos. I try to stay kind of above the noise. Um, but the, the Monument Valley thing really irked me. What do you mean? I just, the, the, the fact that people got as upset as they did about the way that the extra levels were priced, I mean, just completely absurd. And they was, what was what, $2 for the expansion? It was a total, exactly, but it was a total of $6 for the entire game, which is a fantastically beautiful game. And people have no issue paying $5 for coffee or paying $60 for a 360 game. Or whatever the current version of a 360 is, a Nintendo 64. Like, people, Americans and money are are weird. You know that that's that's exactly the right way to frame it. Is people's relative value of money well hold is on. so strange. But the problem is, and I think this is Apple's fault. Like, this is a lot of people's fault, where they've trained people to think that things should be free or 99 cents, or if it's amazing it should be a dollar 99 like most companies and developers can't get by on the you charge a dollar and you just sell like millions and millions of copies of something like an angry birds i don't know it just for the amount of value i got and i've only played the first 10 chapters or levels of monument valley it is way like it could have cost 20 dollars. i wish there was a way for apps to say here's how much it costs and then at the end of it, it was like, oh, oh, how much value did you actually get out of it? Because I totally would have paid 10 or $20 for it. It's fantastic. It seems like we almost could do an entire show or even like a series of shows on the economics of the App Store. It is a very interesting place. Well, I think the economics are, are ridiculously skewed. And also you have to tack on that Apple takes its uh, 30% cut. Right. Which is even worse. And we, I mean, we actually even had a moment before the show where... I was, as I want to do, complaining about the default calendar application in OS X, and I was I was asking you if Fantastical was available for OS X, and you, of course, corrected me by saying it was originally an OS X application, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I went into the the App Store and went to look at you know buying buying Fantastical. And it was twenty dollars, and I even just like subconsciously kind you of recoiled. Went, oh. I did, and I, I feel I feel like a terrible person for doing so. But I just feel like, to your point, that's sort of how the App Store has trained us now. I mean, and it's weird in the sense that whenever somebody has something that is a Mac app and an iOS app and maybe an iPad app, I try to lump the prices of all the, the like of the suite of applications together because iOS applications and mobile applications are always priced more aggressively, I assume because they're going to sell far fewer units, even though I'll generally derive a lot more value from it. And where having the Mac app is important, 
it usually ends up being like a three to four x uh, like price factor, whereas Fanta a Fantastical on iOS I think is like five bucks, and on OS ten it's like twenty I think right. Right. Yeah. And same thing with OmniFocus. It's only ten dollars on um, on iOS, uh, but the Mac app is like six, uh, like sixty, and it's totally worth it. But I get way more value out of the iOS version. Yeah, it just it's weird in today's world thinking twenty dollars is a lot for software, whereas in the pre App Store world, I mean, twenty bucks for software would have just been you know par for the course. Do you remember? As, as you do you remember how say. much uh, Microsoft Office used to cost? Uh, I remember, I'm trying to remember back. So it used to be like the, the home and student edition. Well, no, before was... college days. Because we, we uh, grew up at like a weird time where Microsoft was realizing like, oh, there's, there's Google Docs and there's other stuff. So they made that home and student edition for $150. But Office used to cost four to $800. And like people bought it, like homes, like end, end users used to buy it. Like just not, not only business customers. It was insane. Software pricing is so weird because they always used to have like Office Standard, which was like $2.99, and then you only got Word, Excel, and PowerPoint. And then you had like Office Professional, which included um, Outlook. And then you had some like Ultimate version or something that included Access and Publisher and these other things you never used. But yeah, it was like three, five, and $800. Yeah, that's right. That was back when, man, uh, micro again, that's the weird case of Microsoft is they, they used to mint money on, on mediocre software. And now that that's just... Those days are gone. Well, an office is the perfect example of what we're talking about, right? With it going free a couple of weeks ago on, on, on mobile devices, yeah. Because yeah. I assume that means that, like, they understand that people are still going to have to buy the desktop version and do any substantial document creation or like productivity stuff. So that's they're still going to get their one fifty or whatever the reasonable price they charge for now. Boy, the train <laughs> train really looking to make an appearance this week. Oh, quiet. <laughs> Uh. It has strong opinions about software as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then um, there was that like mind like there's a minor story here, which is um, apparently like because of like pressure from like the EU or something or whatever the regulatory body in Europe is um, that now like free downloads on the iOS app store like now have to be called like get I, instead. It, so yeah, that, because yeah. In, because free makes it sound like in-app purchases are not a possibility. So yeah, I, I saw some tweets about this this morning, and I had not heard about this story prior to seeing those tweets, and I, I was was very confused as to what people were referring to. And and it makes and it makes sense because Apple is kind of a, whenever you download an app that has in app purchases, it always says free, but it has that like little like ribbon on the corner that has a, the plus in it that suggests that it's like free but with paid additions. So here you know here's the thing. I have always been confused by what that plus actually means because I feel like it's not it's not consistently applied. It to my knowledge it's any app that has a $0 purchase price but has paid in-app purchases. Well, so I'll use I'll use the um, I'll use the Pandora app as an example. So it's obviously a free application, but you do have the option of subscribing to Pandora One, which is the the ad free version of Pandora. Gets and... you more skips too. No, it doesn't. No, it's not. It's not true at all. I'm trying to. It does give you. It does give you higher quality audio streaming. However, it very much does. Um, 
but it does not have the little plus symbol that you're referring to. It doesn't. Well, I guess because I've already downloaded it, it doesn't show. But right below where it says I've downloaded it, it says offers in-app purchases. Yes, that's true. But I don't believe that even if you haven't downloaded it, that it has that little plus symbol. Interesting. Maybe maybe that's changed. Maybe it's been too long since I've looked at that because, I mean, I've had Pandora on my phone forever. But um, I could have sworn that it, it did not have that plus symbol. And that was actually the example that I had in my head about why it it seemed like that plus symbol wasn't very clearly used. Yeah. Again, like in, in, I don't know, iOS has a lot of inconsistencies like that. So it used to be more polished, but. I thought the, um, that, that talk show episode between, uh, not Guy Ritchie, as I said on the show, Guy English and John Gruber, uh, was good. They focused a lot on the, concept of whether or not Apple is trying to do too much each year between OS 10 and iOS. I forgot what the consensus was. I know what I think, but I forgot what they thought. They they both agreed, I think, that Apple was trying to do a little too much. And I think that's true. Apple is doing too much. I don't think they have the luxury of not doing too much. And I don't know how they scale that because the quality control just isn't there anymore. Like, actually, do you have a lot of apps on your phone? I think we've talked about this, and you, and you generally don't. We, you know, we have talked about this, and no, I, I really, in the grand scheme of things, don't have a lot of apps. So have you begun to use, um, uh, I forgot what they're called, like, uh, the action sheets or the share sheets where you can, like, if you're in the web browser, you hit the, 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 the share button, and then you have all those new, now that the iOS 8 has extensions in it, do you use that much? I I use it for really just for two things, Instapaper and one password. Gotcha. I mean, so it has an issue which made it past quality control in now four releases of iOS 8 where the share sheet, if you go to more and you reorder the applications, it doesn't remember it. Huh. And I know like, uh, I think, what was his name? Nevin Mergen. Like he's a, he's a good developer who works at Panic that makes great Mac software. Like you said, yeah, ordered lists are the, the most difficult part of all computing. And that's funny because it's the first thing you learn in computer programming. <laughs> but I don't know. It's just weird stuff like that that uh, like iOS, like while it looks nicer and iOS 8 is much more polished than iOS 7 was, there's just weird shit like that that just makes it through and it seems like it's never going to get fixed. And like I have no idea how you'd ever report a bug to Apple on this kind of stuff. Yeah, so well, this may be getting a little, little side little sidetracked, but I have noticed iOS 8 becoming less stable for me. In terms of crashiness or like UI inconsistencies? In terms of crashiness. So for hmm. the first, I'd say month to month and a half, yeah, let's say month, I guess, uh, that I had my iPhone 6, I don't think my phone crashed a single time. You know, this is, we talked about this in the private beta period with iOS 7 a lot where you and I were both on our iPhone 5S is. I don't know what the, what's the plural of 5S. Well, whatever. Um, we were getting like these, you know, kind of like very graceful crashes where you'd be using your phone and then all of a sudden you would just get the black screen with the Apple logo. And then within about 15 seconds, you'd be back to doing what you were doing. Um, it's, it's like you bought an iPhone 5S with special offers. It's just reminding you what you bought. <laughs> uh, well, we should we let's come back to the the Kindle, by the way. Oh, it's not no not uh, honeymoon anymore. Yeah, let, let's 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 come back to that. <laughs> okay. Um, 
and I, I didn't wasn't experiencing that at all with iOS 8 with my iPhone 6 until maybe about three weeks ago where it, it happened maybe three times over the course of a couple of days. And then iOS 8.1.1 came out just a few days ago or about maybe about a week ago. And I haven't haven't hasn't happened since then. So we'll see. I did, you know, when 8.1.1 came out, I did slightly hesitate upgrading because of that oh, botched. Well, I did. That's not going to happen. Then I got over it and I, I downloaded it. I live on the edge. No, the, the bleeding edge. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Sorry. Well, I've I've done my best to delay what I fear is going to be a very heavy Uber show for all the wrong reasons. But for all the wrong reasons. I should just go ahead and just let let this happen. Oh, it's good times. Okay, so this has been a fantastic week. Oh, not not true in any way, but... What are you talking about? How does this affect your enjoyment of the service or your... Uh, how many carbon offset credits do you have to buy? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, you don't own the automobile. I think your, your footprint's growing. I think they don't let you know Whole Foods. I, so um, that, you know, Carlos, as, as you know, this is not, uh, this is not an environmental show, but... I, the whole idea of carbon offset credits, it seems, I mean, this is not an original opinion, but seems a little dubious. Wait, do, do you mean in like a, a political and economic context? Or do you mean those those idiots that have like the thing that like the bumper sticker that says, I have my my like carbon footprint has been offset with like credits or something? Yeah, I mean, I mean that the latter part. Well, I mean, like in terms of cap and trade, I mean, that's a valid economic strategy. But no, those things where people are like, yeah, I planted trees. So therefore, the fact that I drive a Mercedes SUV or something makes it okay. I don't, yeah, those are a little weird. That, that's what I'm referring to. Yeah. Like I, I've even noticed now when I – I forget what airline this is. Maybe it's United Southwest. I forget. But I've, I've booked a few flights recently, and one of the airlines actually has like a thing that you – like a box you can check during the checkout process where – you can like buy carbon credits to like help offset the flight. Yeah, and I'm just like that's that seems that seems weird. I don't know. That yeah. seems kind of strange. <laughs> I feel you... like I'm I feel like I'm doing my part by flying instead of driving. <laughs> well, they know you're not going to drive. Maybe you could take an Uber across state lines. Yeah, that's true. I don't I don't like long drives. Yeah, they are they they can't know that though. Yeah, I I mean. Well, maybe the government does. Who knows? Maybe Uber knows. Actually, so let's okay. Let's let's oh, go. God, this is so good. Oh, All this right, is, this is this is literally my worst nightmare. Okay. So the, the ongoing narrative of uh, these episodes is that you are a, a pretty uh, healthy supporter, uh, customer, and fan of Uber, which is the. I, I don't know if they ever refer to it as ride sharing, but they uh, have independent contractors because they refuse to call them employees. Uh, they have people who they contract to drive for them through their smartphone power application um, instead of taxis and that kind of stuff. And, and you're a big fan of them, right? I, I'm a, a huge fan. They are your private driver or everybody's private driver. My, specifically mine, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so anyway, this week uh, – so and apparently BuzzFeed does like actual news now, which is weird. I think that's been a thing they've been trying to do for a while. 
Um, but one of their has, uh, has Buzz has BuzzFeed not always been news? Are you joking? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's not all. Are you, are you are you telling me the the top the top uh, twenty top twenty six corgi reaction gifts or whatever? I saw one today. I'll I'll remember to send this to you. It's like the twenty cutest pets who are enjoying being bathed. It's pretty. It's I really pretty want to, I really want to read that. I want to click all the ads to reward them. <laughs> okay. I so, see again. I'm I'm trying I'm trying to derail this the best I can. No, it's fine. I'm I'm on topic. Don't worry. So there was a, apparently a private dinner that um one of uh, the uh, like New York Daily News or like New Yorker columnists invited one of the BuzzFeed reporters to, and apparently it was supposed to be like off the record and a whole bunch of stuff like that. Um, but their VP of business or something like that, his name is Emil Michael, uh, had floated the idea of assembling a one million dollar fund to hire uh opposition reporters to dig up dirt on uh, reporters and members of the press who are critical of Uber's agenda and to go personal and dig up information about their families in order to use it against them to get more favorable coverage of the company. Thoughts on this? <sighs> well, man, I, I will say up front, this, this is hard to defend. But, you know, as as a big Uber fan, I'm, I'm going to give it my best shot. So I'll say a couple of things. First is it is very difficult living in the 24-7, always recording world that we live in. I mean, just, just ask Mitt Romney, right? Like he had to spend, what, half of the latter part of the 2012 campaign defending those remarks that he had made at what he thought was a you know, private gathering, I guess sort of similar to the incident you're referring to. You mean the part where he says he didn't care about 49% of the country? Yes. Okay. If they, wait, I'm sorry. Is that your defense? No, I, I'm, I'm saying that it's, it's, um, I'm saying that it's difficult to live in, in this type of world where everything you're saying, I mean, this is somewhat ironic given that we're right now recording what we're saying, but it's it's difficult in a world where even in situations where you don't expect to be recorded, you are being recorded. I think. Well, so and also remember this this was an off the record. Uh, well, allegedly, and I don't think we'll have to talk about that a little bit of what of what that actually means in a reporter's context. But it was a private dinner that that person was invited to. It wasn't like he like there was some like camera phone video or something that came out about it. It's just somebody who was who for some unknown reason, said a horrible, horrible plan out loud. Like, I, I don't think this is like some weird, like, gotcha thing where, like, some videotape comes out after the fact. It's a bunch of journalists and members of the press who are invited to some to something where a high member of the, a high-ranking member of the Uber big, a business organization. That's, no, that, that's a good, that's a good clarifying point. I mean, it still sort of fits into the fact that it's it's just so easy now to, both publicize and widely distribute, you know, things like this. Whereas, you that's, know, that's the internet, right? Okay. But so I, I, so I guess then the, what that the reason I kind of you know lay that foundation as as you would say is because I don't think comments like this and people in relatively high level positions at companies having these types of opinions is anything new. I just think that 
because we're in a world now where it's so much easier to find out about these types of things that they're becoming public much more easily. Like it, it's not a stretch to say that at companies all across the country and all across the world for that matter, have people who are in influential positions who have some pretty crazy opinions and thoughts on strategies and just kind of personal opinions as well. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I don't see this as being all that unique to Uber. I think it's just particularly unfortunate for them, given the kind of existing narrative around them. And I mean, quite frankly, that existing narrative makes it even more likely that whenever something like this is said, it's going to come out because, you know, people are looking for this stuff, right? So... I mean, with all that being said, what he said was a terrible thing, but... Well, no, you know. no, it's not a terrible thing if that's what you think and what you want. It speaks to the uh, to the larger, uh, like, the strategy and attitude and pervasive culture of Uber in general. That they are above the law and they can do whatever they want because they are the dominant player in a business and they'll play dirty and do whatever it takes to continue their market position, whether it be predatory pricing, uh, playing unfairly with competitors to try to lure drivers away, to um, what did they do this week? They, uh, they're lobbying uh, this, uh, Washington, D.C. to make themselves exempt from wheelchair accessibility requirements. What else are they doing? There's a lot. I don't know. I don't think the ease of which you can distribute stupid ideas, and I I don't I don't buy that. So what is your defense, or what what do you feel is any possible like rebuttal for this that spins it in their favor? I don't. Hmm, I I don't really have a great one, which is a lot of the reason why I probably fumbled through most of that last point I was trying to make, but. The thing for I the thing I can speak for me personally, maybe I can articulate this a little bit better since I'm not trying to make a general defense of what's going on here, but rather just how I see it. To me, the opinions of some I mean, let's just say it's some douchebag executive doesn't really affect my personal experience with the service and the personal experience that I have with individual drivers and with like the app and, and and all the kind of micro things that go on when using the service. Like so when when does that when does the line get crossed? When does the activities of the company in a business context and an anti-competitive context affect how you perceive the service? If the company takes an uh, if like the company continues to like do the thing they did in France where they will try to pair you up with a hot woman driver or they'll do all these things <laughs> is that i haven't hadn't heard about that one it's too much to keep track of like there's so many things where it's just like how many gaffes or or uh, like unsavory business practices do they have to engage in before you say nope this is not a company for me because nobody's saying they don't have the operational expertise and capacity to run a successful business it's how they maintain their market position and how they continue to keep that going when when do you eventually say enough's enough 
I think with the, with this particular example, had it come out that they were actually going after journalists and they had a team dedicated to smearing these journalists, that that probably would have really got me thinking about not using the service anymore. So just the fact that somebody had proposed a budget of a million dollars to go after somebody and as well as their families and destroy somebody's life in order to get more favorable coverage, the fact that it had, the result hadn't happened yet, that's I why mean, it's okay. It, it, it's hard to punish somebody for a hypothetical like that, particularly <laughs> given that we don't have any idea what the context of those statements were. What do you mean? Well, I mean... No, we know exactly what it was because multiple people have corroborated it. The person who said it has not denied it yet. He's just given blank no, apologies I'm, without actually apologizing. I'm sure he said those words, but the context surrounding those words, we have no idea. You you do, because again, multiple people who were there have spoken about it, and it was uh, communicating frustration and a strategy against what they perceive yeah, to be people... excessive negative coverage. People say sarcastic, silly things when they're frustrated all the time. I, I'm not saying that's what this is. I'm just saying that's a possibility. I, I don't know. It just... I, I guess the, 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 two, the two points, which I've kind of already sort of said, are it doesn't personally affect my interaction with the service, and more importantly... There wasn't any tangible harm done by this comment. It was stupid. If it was actually executed upon, that would be an entirely different story. It, it, to me, though, it was, it was a dumb comment made by a total idiot who should know not to say things like that in so should, any so sort should, of situation. So should that total idiot continue to be empl employed by the company? No, I don't think so. Okay. If, 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 it were, if it were me in charge, I that that person would have been immediately let go. Do you think if uh, Uber was a public company rather than a private company that the that the fact that he's still employed would be different? Yes. Okay. So let's let's talk about something that's a little bit different, but on the same note. Uh, so it, data integrity and privacy with Uber. So do you think that your the history of your rides, where you go? And when you get picked up, do you think that uh, deserves to be private information? Yes. Okay. Do you think the company uh, has it in its ethical code to keep it that way? Uh, I doubt they do. So why does that make you okay with the service? <sighs> well, so yeah, let's give some context. Yeah. So we've talked before about, I think I brought this up in a couple episodes ago, where uh, there was like an anecdote about some party that somebody was going out when Uber was launching in like Chicago or some uh, like Midwest East Coast city, um, where they were tracking some notable journalists who were going to a launch party. And one of like the general managers for that region's operation was like, oh, we were tracking you the whole way here, when the person had zero interest or z no permission was given that that was going on. And apparently Uber now in the New York metro area the general manager there has been tracking reporters without their consent and without their permission. And Uber themselves has an internal uh, like dashboard where you can track all drivers and called God view, where you can see where all the cars are and exactly who is in them. So it seems like the company overall doesn't have the user's privacy in mind at all. And not just the operational 
scale and growth and the revenue there. Google, or sorry, uh, Uber, uh, maybe it is Google. Um, Uber has a tremendously valuable data set of where people go at what times, and they know exactly who's there, who else is arriving there, and all this type of data that they seem to have no interest in protecting. Sure, from outsiders, but not for their own purposes. I, well, so n none of this data has actually been like leaked publicly. Is that right? What do you mean? Like, like what the, what the the service looks like, or do you mean people's whereabouts? People's whereabouts. But again, it, the whole point is that it's used internally. Oh, well, of course it is. Nobody's saying that Uber is going to be like a backdoor where anybody who wants to buy somebody's location is going to be available. It's what will the company do to track journalists, investors, competitors, all that kind of stuff for their own selfish purposes. That's a little bit of a side note. I think we just had an earthquake. Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, we definitely did here in San Francisco. I'm like nine miles away. Well, you're way way over there. <laughs> okay. Anyway, no, we we de we definitely did. All right. Anyway, back to, back to the. Maybe it was the moral reckoning of a of a shady company. <laughs> God's mad. Oh wow! If we've ever had a we've <laughs> we've ever had a show title, there it is. <laughs> God's God's pissed at the cactus. All right, <laughs> you should um, you you should explain that sometime on the show. We'll, we'll do it before we wrap this up. Okay. Um. Well. Okay. So that's. Uh, I I mean. So I, I to answer your question about what I feel entitled to in terms of privacy, I, I certainly feel entitled to not having outsiders of the company have access to my Uber ride data. I don't have a lot of expectation around what that data is used for internally. I would hope that it's being used to better the service and for you know just generally positive things like that. But so does that include uh, blog posts where they try to do a data analysis to see who's having one night stands? Because <laughs> uh, that's also linked in in in. in... Do we have show be... notes yet? And, oh wow! Just got little little knives, little knives. No, we don't have show notes. Okay, so so where where is the limit between using data to improve the business versus using data to gain more insight and pry into the lives of the person, the people using your service? I mean, I, oh, I mean, to be honest, thing, <laughs> things like that whole one night stand thing, like that, that doesn't, that doesn't really bother me. But again, take that to its logical conclusion of what else you think the company could into it from your rides, your geolocation data, the time yeah. at which you request rides, all I mean, this again, kind of stuff. Again, you're, it's, I don't know, I'm, I'm not the type of person to make. A lot of judgments on hypotheticals and i'm not a conspiracy theorist but what i'm saying is no, like, no, these I are know. these are real like again you have to think about the value of what investors and people see in uber as a business and a lot of that is data analytics they have so much information and location of people is becoming so much more valuable i, I don't i don't see where this is an, this is not an actual concern not that this is a this is this isn't an excuse by any means, but but so much about Uber just screams about a company which has just grown 
way too fast and whose maturity level has just not kept up with that growth. It's a very it's a very common problem for a lot of companies. But unfortunately for Uber, a lot of this stuff has just become very public. Um, again, it's, it, it, it's by no means is this an excuse, but I guess the point I'm trying to make is I don't know if a lot of this stuff is necessarily indicative of future or more extreme behavior. I think rather it's just... It's just a it's just a company going through adolescence right now. So you don't think that Uber has an asshole culture problem? No, I think you don't. Think a, you don't think uh, that starts from the top and leads to just oh, no, a complete I, disregard for privacy and ethics. I absolutely do believe in tone at the top. No, no question about that. But I think as Uber continues to mature and as that maturity catches up with its growth. I think that tone at the top is going to improve. So what what do you define as maturation? Do you mean more market share? Do you mean greater revenues or what? Because that's not going to change it. More revenues mean more money and more and No, more... no, I'm, I'm separating I'm separating growth. So what you're talking about is growth. Maturity is is culture within the company. It has nothing to do with revenues or market share. But how is that going to change if there's still a hyper growth organization that has more money than they know what to do with? Well, I mean, eventually that's going to slow down. Everything does. Growth will slow down. The funding will slow down. They're going through a pretty crazy period right now, but I mean, all things like that come to an end. I just, I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's reason. I don't think there's a, a lot of evidence to suggest that what we're seeing now is absolutely the culture that's going to continue and continue to get worse. I think what's a lot more likely is that what what Uber's going through right now is just complete immaturity and that type of thinking will eventually kind of bleed out of the company. Hmm. Okay. I mean, uh, you know, I'm biased because I I want I want Uber to get its, you know, get its act together and stop being involved with all this stupid stuff and just be, you know, to allow people to focus on what they should be focused but on. But why do you think that's going to happen if the CEO can't actually own up to the issue? Who just speaks in things that says, like, we should tell the stories of progress and appeal to people's hearts and minds. Like, just like, ran like random shit like that without actually apologizing or giving some way of saying that they are going to fix the culture problem that is leading towards a toxic company. Well, there, there's no, I mean, there's no guarantee that individual is going to continue to be the CEO. Of course forever. he will. People think he's the next Jeff Bezos. Yeah, maybe. I mean, he's, he's done rather like, and again, like, I'm not sure you read that entire like a uh, profile on him, but he believes in, in be, being like, uh, I think it was called like, I'm going to get the term wrong, but like principal douchebag or something like that. He does. No, but but you you alluded to this earlier when you asked me about whether you think this whole thing would have gone down the way that it did if Uber was a public company. And I, without a, you know, instant of hesitation said no, I think that's the key, right? Like Uber, Uber will eventually want to go public. It's just just too big of a too big of an opportunity not to. And, you know, as someone who works for a public company, I can tell you things like this don't fly when you have millions of investors. And so when the day comes where but, Uber wants to get public funding. That's two to three years off. 
True, yeah, but I mean, in in the grand scheme of things with Uber, that that's a relatively short period of time, and this is a company that's going to be around a long time. And you I know, guess as long as they continue to play dirty and keep their competitors at bay, I'm certain they will. No, but that that's what I'm saying is when the when the day comes when these guys want to go public, investors are not going to stand by comments like this. Like I, I honestly believe that had this happened in with Uber already being public, A, I actually don't think an individual like that would be in the position that he's in. But B, if he somehow was, this guy would have been fired within twenty four hours. No question. It's just it's too big of a PR nightmare as a public company to deal with shit like this. It's not worth it. Whatever value that person's bringing to the company isn't worth the the hit in your stock price that you're going to take. Which you know that, that that's actually that's been sort of like an underlying theme in all of our Uber discussions too is that I think so many of the problems that Uber's having, you know, from a PR standpoint is because they're a private company. Like private companies operate so differently than public companies, both economically and culturally. I'm not certain that's the case because again, my my one of my main points was the the concept of predatory pricing and well, but no, but do, that's, doing that's somewhat totally, shady business practices that's to totally drive competitors out of the market. No, but that's that's what I'm totally saying is that so much of the whole. Um, you know, predatory pricing and all that is speculative because we don't have we don't have the insight into the numbers that we really need to find out whether all that's true. I understand that, but what I'm saying is that's not my main point about it. That's one of the things I note in saying that's how they're able to kind of gain a, um, an advantage over the competitors. But a lot of it is just completely unethical behavior, like the project slog kind of thing, like this one. I th- I don't know. They they have serious company culture issues, and I and I I don't know. Because I, like I used to really really like them, but it's it's have there been any other companies that you can like think of that have offered a service that you really want to want to enjoy and want to like and want to appreciate, but it's just run by I don't I don't get it. I mean Facebook. What, and how so? Explain. I mean all the shit they've pulled. What pulled. what shit have they pulled? You're putting me on the spot here. No, but no, like, tell me. Like, ugh. Because people love to hate Facebook for what? They offer a free service that allows you to connect with millions, or sorry, uh, probably billions of people now because I think they have like 1.2 billion active users now. Uh, they they allow you to connect for free, and it's an advertised supporting, uh, supported platform. They store all your photos for free. They give you very, very, very granular privacy controls. What What are they not doing that people want them to do? That is a hyper-growth organization that grew fairly smoothly hmm. well given you're still, that you're still thinking you can't like complain yeah. about like newsfeed changes like it like just like <sighs> no you're right you're right you gave in too easy on that one i did <laughs> well I, I i guess as in in an effort to rebound here i nothing all of this bad pr that uber's gotten it may, I mean, maybe except for some of the the Lyft stuff. Although, I mean, again, a lot, of, so much of it is speculative. I mean, a lot you of. No, I, th- I think the research and the the actual like quality in depth reporting that that the Verge did that is not debatable. That's, quality in the verge seems like it seems like an oxymoron but i know anyway. and that's why it hurts me to say that. <laughs> um, but I know I know what you're saying. I agree that piece was very good. Um. But other than outside of that, 
all this other stuff that's been happening there there hasn't really been any like tangible harm done what are you talking about it's not it, uber's not out there like bankrupting people or you know smearing people's reputation right like they're not oh they just discuss it i'm sorry it, it it's it's all it's all hypothetical <laughs> I don't know. It, it sucks. Like it's it's very frustrating to me because I think it's an awesome service, and I think it's it's so. God, if if I were if I were part of Uber, like I would be so frustrated with the fact that we have a phenomenally disruptive service that's probably one of I mean, it could be one of the most revolutionary things on on the web, and you know through like this whole smartphone app. So, revolution. So you you are extremely right. I'm I'm very glad you bring that up because Uber like it, there there are different components to it. There's the actual real life good, which is humans driving other people and and getting them places and disrupting the uh, the older taxicab industry. And then there's the back end operations where people are finding ways to streamline payment processing. The brilliant engineers that make what is it called Uber Pool, which is the one where you share a ride. Yeah, Uber Pool. Like the amount of data and the engineering talent that it takes to efficiently route multiple people and join those rides, like that, like all of those things are fantastic. And like, there's some people doing honest, great work, and it's ruined by a lot of just like douchey and shitty management decisions from other people. And that's what's frustrating about the company because they are doing a lot of really cool, great things. <sighs> I mean, it, it's it's a bit of a stretch of an analogy, but you know, when when the whole Donald Sterley thing was happening early <laughs> earlier this year, Where is this well, going? well, it, it's it's you know, I mean, I I have to hate the Clippers as a Lakers fan, but if I if I put aside my Laker fandom, you know, the the Donald Sterling comments don't make me hate the Clippers as an organization. I don't I don't believe that some idiot speaking on behalf of the organ or speaking in a position in a high position of the organization necessarily reflects upon the rest of that organization i can understand sort of i appreciate the analogy but that it's it it doesn't quite fit no it, it's not it's not a perfect fit because but... here's the thing like like uh, uh, steve Ballmer can't come and buy uber and just be like okay now like there's there's somebody who's not like some some weirdo running this whole thing now well, why not? I, th I mean, personally, I think I think that's exactly what could happen to Uber. I think it's. I think right now it, they don't necessarily have the amount of pressure that's needed for something like that to happen. But if they were a public company, I certainly think that there'd be a lot of a lot of noise both on the board and with investors to say, "Hey, you know, you guys, you guys can't have people like this." in in those higher places that just doesn't doesn't work and are you talking about emil or travis <laughs> well both mm. all right well i think that's that's enough of that yeah i will just wrap up and say anytime i do um i do uh converse with you about uber uh i am uh, particularly fond of the cactus emoji <laughs> because I, I i do feel that uber is the cactus of society it's it serves a purpose, but it's 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 prickly. So, as far as I know, you you came up with this. I have oh no, I have absolutely. Not... I, if it would became a thing, I'd be so happy. 
Because right now I think uh, there's a trending topic about uh, hash. I hate the word. Okay. Hashtag? No, sorry. Pound sign. <laughs> or delete it. And and if if I was able to somehow like if I ha- actually had more than like 150 or 200 followers, um, I would I would try to get um, like Uber Cactus of Society trending. I I I think I've suggested to you that you should get cactusofsociety.com, didn't I? But there's no way to make emoji like because I wouldn't just want the word cactus. It's got to be the emoji cactus. And nobody okay. knows how to make that symbol on like an actual desktop computer. I forget. I forget if I actually checked if this was available. Hold on, cactusofsociety.com. I'm sure it has to be. Uh, you'd be surprised. I don't think ever like yeah, I know almost everything's taken, Cac- but cactussociety.com, twelve ninety nine. What about cactussociety.co? Uh, God, there's so there are so many top level domains now. Or if you wanted to, um, oh wait, when did when did Hover get a redesign? God, I love Hover. Hover's great. How God? How many top level domains are there now? Oh, there, there, there's this is unbelievable. Cactusofsociety.xyz. Cactusofsociety.cooking. <laughs> dot Christmas. What, what dot, is... dot beer. Dot, dot cab. Dot coffee. What what dot condos? What is this? Hold on. Um This is unbelievable. I didn't wait, realize wait, Cactus of Society dot co op. <laughs> Cactus Society dot club. Uh, Cactus of Society dot industries. I like that. Oh there's dot accountants now. Oh That's insane. This is this is unbelievable. I didn't I didn't realize. I, I knew. I knew this whole top level domain thing was happening, where they were opening it up. I didn't realize it was this extreme. God. And if we ever wanted to start an all Uber ca- uh, podcast, we can have cactusofsociety.fm. Just saying. <laughs> oh gosh. Hey, they they have they're having a sale on the .xyz domain name. Just nine. Just nine dollars. Uh, stupendous. Oh, this is terrible. What what has happened to the internet? <laughs> it was all downhill when the whole MySpace thing. Yeah, but even even MySpace didn't wasn't the cause of all these dumb domain names. Like everything, domain names. Everything's taken. They got to do something. But I think I think it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Cactus of Society Global would cost you fifty five dollars and fifty cents a year. Why is dot Glo- dot global appears to be the most expensive? Why? Oh no, actually, well, no, no. Dot FM is way more expensive. <laughs> no, actually, dot credit card one hundred nine ninety seven. Dot luxury. Well, I guess this makes sense. Dot luxury. <laughs> for I'm not making this up. Four hundred and eighty dollars. It's so stupid. Dot luxury. I, actually, I like that a lot. We should get technically technically correct dot luxury. Actually, how much would that cost? Let's see here. Technically correct dot. I can't believe I'm tired. This is this is not anything I'd ever thought I'd type into anything ever. Um, well, we have four hundred eighty dollars still. I can't believe. Oh, no, the- and an and an eighteen cent I can fee. 
Oh my so I'm, goodness. So I'm thinking uh, one day, like, I don't know, I'll, I'll, uh, if I ever stumble across like $500, I'll buy that for you. You buy me Uber, Uber motorcade.luxury. Yes. God, what? This is, this is weird. Uh, the internet's the worst. <sighs> okay. What? I mean, like, I feel like in some ways, like, in, in, a, in a lot of cases, the top level domain's almost like superfluous. Because just people just Google for stuff, or what do you mean? Well, I mean, yeah, because of that, and just because, like, I I don't like when I type in the when I type in a website name, I don't even want to think about what the domain top level domain is. Mm. I don't know, just silly. Yeah. Anyway, whenever <laughs> for for everybody for all six people listening out there, um, if you ever need to do a shorthand for Uber and you're you know. Uh, trying to conserve keystrokes just put a cactus in there i think cactusofsociety.com would be a really good like that's a good domain for your blog your like daring fireball style blog but i am not the cactus of society well i mean maybe you are <laughs> no i'm not not like not like in a bad way See now, Cactus Society might actually have to be the show title. We'll see. No, but I forgot what the other one was. <laughs> it was pretty good, though. I think. Yeah, we'll see. Um, oh, you so, know what, something about earthquakes and uh, <laughs> and God being mad at Uber. <laughs> when I when I go back and you know listen and edit to the shows, the the show title just you know it comes naturally to it, me. It bubbles up from the from the ashes. I don't know what that means. <laughs> oh jeez, <laughs> I'm very tired. Um, oh, what 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 has happened? What has happened to the show? Uh, I don't know. All right. Um, this, so you know, so did is, anything else happen? No. See, this this is what happens in like the post Giants world when when baseball season's not going on. This this is what we're left with. We can talk about Lakers basketball. We can talk Ugh, about we can talk about other God. negative things. Ugh. I, I really I really don't want to. Oh wait, actually, answer me something. Uh, riddle, riddle me this is there seriously a team called the 76ers, 76ers who are 0 and 10 uh, 0 and 11 now actually how is that humanly possible uh, well they're they're real bad but well expl- do you do you know about that team like do you what happened to the team to make them that exceptionally bad well okay this this is actually getting into a, a pretty eh, I, what i think is an interesting topic so so the NBA, the way this works, and it's true of a lot of sports, but I think the percentages are a little bit more skewed in the NBA where, well, actually, it's maybe not even about the percentages necessarily. It's just the fact that the draft only has two rounds and high-level picks in the draft have a much higher likelihood of making a big impact on your team. So with, with that being said, what I'm what I'm saying here is that with the way the NBA draft works, the worst record you have, the higher percentage you have of getting the top pick or one of the top picks in, in the next year's draft. And so with that, it, you know, with that system, there is an inherent, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for, motivation to, to what, what people call tank the season where you basically lose a bunch of games so that you can have a really bad record and therefore give yourself a really high chance of getting a you know high draft pick. But wouldn't that just really upset the fans and anybody who actually wants to come see you play if you're intentionally losing? 
Yes, that's that. It, it Is should that not also kind of a poor economic decision. Well, here's the problem: is that a team, a team can stomach three, four bad seasons in a row, build up a couple of good draft picks with the hope of one of those draft picks being like a really big all-star player, and then, you know, for the next five to ten seasons, be a good team, bring in a bunch of playoff revenue, all this kind of stuff. So the few the few bad seasons that you have at the beginning are far outweighed by the financial benefit of having a good team down the road. And that's what that's what's screwed up about the NBA uh, draft system. Hmm. And so that's you know the, that's what the 76ers are doing. And they're actually you know what's what's weird about the 76ers is a lot of other teams have been accused of this and have you know vehemently denied it, saying you know no we would never do that even though all the evidence suggests that's exactly what they're doing. 76ers are actually, they're not open about it. Like, nobody's actually coming out and saying that they're tanking, but they're also not really denying it either. They they kind of come out and say things like, oh, well, you know, we're rebuilding, blah, blah, blah. But they, nobody really ever comes out and directly says, like, no, we're absolutely not tanking. Because, I mean, that is what they're doing. And it sucks. Like, I, is, I really... Is this, is this unique to basketball? Well, like I said, I think it it's you know the percentages are so in fact I think it's only like if I, I I'm screwing this up now I think. I think it's like the the bottom 15 teams are the only ones that even have a chance at getting like a top 5 pick. No, I think it's even more extreme than that. I think it's like you have to be like one of the bottom 10 teams to have a chance at like the top 7 picks or something like that. Well, how many teams are there? Aren't there only like 15 or 20 basketball teams? There's 30. Yikes. Um, I think more importantly than that, though, with the NBA is the draft. I think the draft in the NBA of the four major professional sports in the U.S., I think a single player in the draft can single-handedly turn around a franchise in a way that really isn't possible in the other sports, it, with some obviously some extreme outliers. But... For the most part, I think the draft can make the biggest immediate impact in in the NBA. Like you know, like I guess, like put a different way, like in in football or you know, baseball too, like you can actually get you know a sixth or seventh round pick who ends up being a really good player. Whereas in basketball, there's only two rounds to begin with, and it's very, very, very uncommon for players drafted like late second round to like even stay in the league usually you know they don't even really make the team so but yes the the uh, 76ers are 0 and 11 after their loss to uh, Boston this evening okay but the Lakers are genuinely trying yeah yeah <laughs> this well so the, the Lakers are in a weird so the Lakers are in a particularly weird spot because they, you know, so they made this trade with the Phoenix Suns a couple a couple years ago, and as part of that trade, they gave the the Suns a bunch of draft picks, and so one of the draft picks is this uh, upcoming 2015 draft pick, but it's it's protected, it's top five protected, as they say, which means that if it's a top five pick, the Lakers don't have to give it away this year. They would give it away the next time where the pick falls outside the top five. 
So the Lakers, in some ways, have an even stronger incentive to not win games because not only would that give them a higher chance at getting a top pick, but it would also allow them to keep the pick and not have to give it to the Suns. Like, here's what's screwed up about the NBA. There's no incentive in the world, because there's 82 games in a year, right? The, the absolute worst NBA season you can have is to go like 41 and 41, like just go 50-50. And you don't make the playoffs with that record, at least if you're in the Western Conference. And you get a really crappy draft pick because you are you won too many games. And there's too many teams below you who have won fewer games. Like that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a nightmare of a season for an NBA team. And that's crappy. It's, it's crappy that a team that only wins 20 games could have a season which is more beneficial to them than a team that wins 41 games. Well, but I think you're being like, I don't think that's how you would judge a season. Like you're, you seem to be discounting all like the games that like the local fans actually want to go to. Like, I don't think people who enjoy going to sporting events are thinking, oh, well, this is beneficial for the team in three years. So I should sit by them perhaps intentionally sucking. Like, I, I assume, uh, like, the actual fans would want to see a team that that has a just over 500, I don't, I don't know if, you, if that's what it's called in basketball, but, like, just break-even season on wins and losses versus sucking but having maybe better future prospects. I think a, I think a lot of fans I do, do think that way, but I also think there are a lot of fans who do get the bigger picture and who realize that, tanking this one season could could land them a, a, a huge draft pick so i mean like you know the, the one example of this in the nba which people bring up a lot are, is the san antonio spurs where through the early and mid 90s they had great teams you know they had david robinson they they were they were a very solid team and they had one year it just so happened to be the 97 98 season where uh, robinson got hurt i think like five ten games into the year i think he like broke his foot or something and it ended up being like a season-ending injury, and it kind of threw the team into disarray. And they just kind of—they ended up losing a bunch of games right off the bat. And they just kind of dug themselves a big hole. And they—they kind of ended up just basically throwing away the season. They had an awful record. And sure enough, because of that awful record, they ended up having a you know outside chance at the number one pick, which they ended up getting. And sure enough, they drafted Tim Duncan. And so now, for the last sixteen seasons. They've had, you know, one of the greatest players of all time. And they've won five titles and been in the playoffs every year, this and that. So that one bad season, you know, one season that fans had to suffer through has subsequently brought five NBA titles and 16 fantastic years. So there you have it. Sports. Sports. Okay, there's got to be some type of technology topic to talk about. Uh, something other than Uber, I hope. I'm good. I, this this is a fantastic week for me. That's like terrible. it just kept on coming, and it was great. There's there's really there's really just not a lot of news. I mean, there, the well, whole. Well, you had said there was a co- there were a couple of video game things. Like I'll I'll sit here and just like play play like do a crossword. I mean, a lot of video games are coming out. I mean, there's just in the last couple of weeks. There's um, Far Cry Four. 
Assassin's Creed Unity, Super Smash Brothers for the Wii U, uh, GTA V has been re-released for new consoles. There's a lot of lot of stuff going on. A lot of, a lot of games out there. Are there any exciting non-violent video games coming out? No, they're they're all violent now. Well, except for uh, Forza Horizon. What's this little big planet game that people are always talking about? Uh, it's it's like a kind of a like Mario type game. Is it Sony? Yeah. Okay. So a lot of a lot of different games coming out. Um. There's the watch kit stuff. Yeah, I, I haven't looked too deeply into that, and it seems to like it just everybody's getting less interested, or it seems to be less interesting of a product. Yeah, well, in so light I guess of it, like it you, seems like much more like a passive display more than anything else. Yeah, so I guess like the thing, the thing that people have been kind of focused on, which I this I think is a fair point to make, is you know Apple in their initial press release specifically said that you'd be able to by the end of the year, start developing standalone applications for the Apple Watch. And, you know, with this SDK that came out, we've learned that's, you know, simply not the case. Um, You can really only write applications, at least in this initial version, that are tied to an application which is running on your phone. Which, you know, personally, I actually don't, I don't see that as necessarily a big deal. Because honestly, like, the amount of times that I'm going to be more than 30 feet from my phone is like, I mean, it, it almost never happens. So, the only, the only thing I can think of, I guess, is if you're, uh, like, in a workout and you don't want to bring your phone with you and you'd rather just be able to use the watch to, you know play music standalone like i guess that that seems or play podcast i guess like because the standalone music app actually probably will allow you to play music independently because apparently the built-in apple apps are not restricted by this but if you wanted to write a podcast app it'd be it'd be nice to be able to you know use that as a standalone app without well i mean how would you so a couple things so on the fitness front I thought that was one of the few applications that they said you would explicitly be able to load up like a playlist and use like like location tracking and like steps and that kind of stuff as a standalone. That was one of the few use cases they guaranteed that to work for. Yeah, but that's all with Apple's Apple's apps. Well, yeah, which again why, why are not you... restricted by this. Again, you don't, you don't need an app store. Hmm. Well, actually, let's 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 go off on that. Do you think Apple has the luxury of kind of pulling an iPhone with this? Absolutely. Which, which is to say, you know, it's it's going to be extremely limited for the first one to two years? Yes. Really? I'm oh, not yeah. sure they get to. Why? Because it's... The smart... Because it's, it's an accessory. But, yeah, but the smart... Well... Like, you're asking somebody to spend, like, probably three to $500 on something that is basically a nicer pebble like again i didn't read all this like i don't i'm talking out of my ass for most of this but like it seems like i the iphone was so good in so many other respects whereas i think if this is a you barely get through a day type of smartwatch device i don't think it gets to be just like a pebble in terms of notifications I mean, I, I don't, I don't really, I don't really know a way to articulate this any better than I, I have on the show before. But 
I think three to five hundred dollars for a significantly better version of the Pebble is totally worth it. I. I honestly, but, but, I can't. But in a lot of ways, it's worse in the sense that your Pebble, you can go more than a day with charging it. And I don't, I don't see that as a big deal. What happens if you like you have a really busy day and you get home and you forget to charge it? Your fancy watch is now just a thing. Like so, then do you just leave it at home that day? Do you even wear it the next day? Like I, th- that's that's just tricky. I don't know. I think the battery life is going to be a big deal. Not to keep changing topics, but it's 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 a weird product for me. Now, the more I think about it, I don't know. I, I I I mean, people have been very quick to draw analogies to the the original iPhone, but I I, th- I think it might be a a good analogy. I think I think we're gonna look back on this thing, you know, a few years from now and think like, oh man, how did we how did we get by? How was how was this thing like? How was this thing? even considered acceptable by anybody can i make a prediction yes i don't think anybody's gonna be saying that i think it's gonna be a nice product but i do not think it will be considered a necessity for many years well no people people won't say that initially but i'm saying when the apple watch 4 is out six years from now yeah but for there to be an apple watch 4 a lot of people have to buy apple watches one through three well that's well but that's i think yeah. Like again, you don't make, get to make a mediocre product that people have to charge once a one to two times a day, and it's basically just a glorified. I don't know. No, man. it's not. There's no. There, you're not going to have to charge it multiple times a day. No, no, no. That that's not going to happen. I want it to be good, and the sport better not be the low end version. It's I mean, going to be the low end version. Damn it. I mean, it it would be. There isn't a there isn't a lot of precedent for Gruber to be that wrong. I'm pretty sure he's wrong on pricing. Like I understand the gold ones can be expensive, but there's no way the stainless steel one is a, is a grand. He's I don't know he's he's pretty plugged in on this stuff. I mean it it's possible, but would we got to do a gentleman's wager eventually? But I I would do you honestly agree with his uh, what he no. thinks the stainless steel will be? No. How far off do you think he is? So that w- w- what's this thing starting at? Two ninety nine? Is it's, that what it's they said? Like, I, th- I could have sworn three fifty is a number that sticks out of my head. Three forty nine, something like that. So I, I think I think the sport will be three fifty. I think the stainless steel will be five hundred, and I think the watch will be or the gold rather will be. Like a thousand. I w- I was thinking three hundred, six hundred, fifteen hundred. So that's okay. Okay, that's so we're 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 in the ballpark. Okay, but again, he was saying uh, like three fifty, one thousand, five thousand. Like, yeah, th- those are, those are weird, weird prices. That seems yeah. Well, <laughs> this is also the same company that has sixteen, sixty four, and one twenty eight as their storage spaces. So a big a big a big jump between product levels would not be unprecedented i uh, i understand why i just hate that that it, that that is the way things are in life yeah i don't know it, it's we it's weird the yeah it's it's weird it, so much of I, so much of this is it's so much like the original iphone where like they made that original announcement but we didn't know anything about like pricing or like any of that kind of stuff 
I could have sworn pricing was available. I don't think so. Or did they just say it was available in four and eight gigs? Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I don't think iPhone pricing was made clear up front. Hmm. I don't. I. I don't know. The only thing that worries me is just like is the app situation. I'll tell. I'll tell you what. I for me, I'm not worried at all because I. I think basically. I mean, we we've said this time and time again. I think a glorified Pebble is a, that's exactly what I want. It doesn't need to be anything more than that to me. Like if 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 developers can write awesome extensions basically for the apps that are already running on my phone, which can send me dynamic notifications and allow me to send commands back to the phone and just give me a better view into what the application's doing without having to pull out my phone. That's exactly what I want. That sounds incredible. So, because so even... let me ask. So you're fine with it just being an enhanced notifications device? Absolutely. Yeah. Do you think that's enough usefulness for most people? I do. As somebody who's used a Pebble for about a year and a half now, I the way that the... The Pebble is a fundamental change to the way that you interact with your phone. Even something as limited as the Pebble is already that. So if you can basically build on that idea but have a much tighter integration with your phone, that's that sounds awesome. I mean, honestly, man, like you'd, you'd be really surprised. Even the silly little things like being able to look at a text message or a calendar appointment on your wrist without having to pull out your phone is really, really great. I, I disagree. I don't know. Well, I mean... Because I again, because if, if everything the watch does eventually... Like if, if more than half the time it acting upon whatever it shows me means I still have to pull out my phone, why wouldn't I just pull out my phone? I now have two things to manage and two things to charge instead of just one. Pulling out my phone is not the end of the world. No, it's certainly not the end of the world. I, I, I want to like it. I don't know. I think it looks cool. I just don't know, man. We'll see. I think that the two screen sizes is really interesting too. The smaller one sounds pretty darn low resolution, which is weird. Yeah, and you know, I, um, I, so I, I immediately, because they they came out with the dimensions of the hardware a while ago. We just didn't know the screen size. But I, I looked at the dimensions of the screen when the announcement was first made, and the Pebble's actually even bigger than the the bigger of the two, watch Apple watches. You mean like the effective resolution? No, like the actual physical size. Oh, well, yeah. Hmm. So the, the Pebble is is tall, right? Like it's it's, it's kind it, of like a portrait orientation screen. Yeah, the Pebbles the Pebbles oddly big for what it is. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. It's it's the the, the two screens it, it is is weird. Like I'm I'm actually I guess I'm what I'm trying to say is I'm not really even sure why that smaller screen even exists, but. And there's no like there's no scaling, right? Like the, the resolutions, there's no there's no multiplier that gets you from one of the resolutions to the other. Well maybe it does. Because again, the screen's physically smaller. Yeah, but like the the resolution jump is not like some even number, right? It's not like no. it's not like it's not like retina. It, I do not think these are res, retina resolutions <laughs> I don't know. Again, this uh, again we have until like uh, what was it Valentine's Day or something? Where well, we we got to wait for the uh, Apple Watch Pro with Retina display. 20, 2017. Ugh, grumble. 
that'll come in it'll 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 probably come in like 464 and 248 storage sizes or something like that wait what I, that that last one was a made up number. I didn't want Wait, to do did the math. Wait, did you say four sixty four? Two two fifty six, I guess, is the number. And you mean five twelve? I don't. I don't know what I meant. Wait, I don't know. I don't know what just happened. <laughs> oh, I no. I was. I was trying to. I was trying to make a joke about like two gigabytes, one hundred twenty eight, and then I panicked and then didn't realize what I didn't realize one twenty eight times two was two fifty six, and so I just made up some number. And so that's what happens with the live audio show, Carlos. Sometimes bloopers happen. And with that, I think I think we'll wrap it up. Okay, that seems fair. <laughs>